This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Dear Father, as we come before you today, uh, we just pray that you help us to truly understand your word as it pertains to work and our lives. And we just pray that you help us to uh, be sensitive to listening to your word and to really uh, reflect on the place of work in our lives. And we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, part of being a pastor means that I have to go quite often to funerals or hear of people who uh, have passed on. And I find funerals particularly difficult. It's hard for me. It's even harder for friends and family and relatives. But what is even more difficult is when the person who's passed away is a young person. And what is even more difficult than that is when a young person has committed suicide. And unfortunately, I've heard of a few young people over the years who have committed suicide. And uh, one of the reasons which seems to keep coming up is uh, the big W word, uh, work. Right? They've, they've uh, committed suicide because of stress from work. It's very sad because uh, some of these people also have been, uh, from what I understand, Christians. Now, I think that work is something which occupies a lot of our time, a lot of our thoughts, a lot of our worries. So a few weeks ago when I sent out the email asking the church what topics they would like me to preach on uh, during the break that we were having from Isaiah, uh, out of the five people who replied, uh, two of them wanted to hear on work. Okay, So you can see that actually work is something which, which concerns us a lot. Now today as we look at the whole topic of work uh, in the Bible, the first time work appears in the Bible is right at the very beginning in Genesis chapter 2. So in Genesis chapter 2, which is up here, you can follow on your bulletins and the outline, uh, God had said, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now I want us to, first of all, pay attention to the words which God speaks of. But just as importantly, it's very important to see where this takes place. right? So if you look at the next slide, you'll see that uh, right at the very beginning of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 1, Genesis 1 is about the creation of the world. Okay, uh, Whether you take it as a strict 7-day, 24-hour creation, or whether you take it as a longer period, as a metaphor, it doesn't matter, but that's the beginning. Right? God created a good world. Right? And then in Genesis chapter 2, God speaks about work. And in Genesis chapter 3, there is then the fall or the sin which comes into the world. So the context in which we are looking at Genesis chapter 2 here is actually work comes into the picture uh, before the fall. So actually work at its very beginning was good. Right? Work itself was part of the created order. Work was what men and women were created for. Now, if you actually look at the passage, you'll notice something that uh, God gave Adam Eve. Uh, if, you, if you look at the... Oh, go back again. Go back to the beginning. Now you notice that God doesn't give Eve as a lover or a companion or a soulmate or a partner. 
but rather he gives Adam Eve as a helper. So the first and foremost role for Eve was for her to help Adam in working and taking care of the world that God had made. So if you go to the slide, the next one, okay, next one, you can actually see that God made a good world. He's a good creator, right? He created uh, a world in which man and women can live where there's, uh, there's food, there's abundant provision of water, whatever. It's a good place and there is work. So he's a good God. And I think this is very important for us to begin in our understanding of work. That work in itself is not something bad and to be despised because when God created the world, He made us in a sense to work it and to take care of it under God's rule. And that's quite different in a sense from how I think many people today view work, right? People think work is something to be tolerated so that we can get to the weekend, right? It's like the TGIF attitude, right? You know, we're just working in, you know, work is something you do in between your holidays or your weekends because that's when you are really alive, right? When you are resting on your holidays in uh, Phuket or Bangkok or, you know, on, on your, on your weekends. But the reality is actually we are meant for work. Uh, you know, if you look at the Sunday Times, uh, it seems like in the last section of the Sunday Times, there's always a section about uh, interviewing these people who have, uh, have become rich. And it seems that like one of the aspirations that they have is that uh, they can re- retire quite young and then uh, maybe in their mid-40s or 50s, and they can spend the rest of their life uh, earning money from their stocks and shares, uh, collecting rent, uh, reading all the books they had never read before, going on holidays and playing golf. But the reality is that's not what we are actually meant for. We're not sort of like working in order to retire as early as we can so that, uh, you know, that's the whole purpose of life. Because we are actually meant to work. We are built for work. That's part of God's good creation. And I think that's very true because... When I speak to people who have uh, retired, uh, after about a month of being retired, uh, they, they say that they are bored, right? They, they've read all the books that they've wanted to read. They've seen all the movies that they wanted to see. They've been on the holiday they wanted to be, go to. And now uh, they find that they want to do something again. They want to work. If you ever see someone who is uh, unemployed, uh, they're not having a great time being unemployed. Being unemployed is, is a struggle. It's difficult. It's hard. Uh, people don't want to be unemployed. People want to work. So I think what's very important for us, first up, right at the very beginning, as we look at the Bible account of work, is that actually work is good. Right? Work is something which uh, we are designed for. It's part of God's good creation at the very beginning. So, uh, the next slide. Okay, next one. Okay, so if you think of the world's definition of work, it's basically to make enough money so that I can retire. Oh, that's the way I see it anyway. But work actually in God's definition is, it is to actually take care of God's world under His rule. That's what we were designed to do from the very beginning. That's what we are, our role is under God in creation. But the problem comes, if you look at the Bible, in the very next chapter, uh, because in Genesis chapter 3, in the very next chapter, 
the good work of the garden, looking after the garden, is corrupted when sin comes into the world. So, it says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 17, To Adam, God said, Because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. And you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground from which you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. So according to God's word again, uh, God made a perfect world where he created all the good things for his people and they were meant to live under his rule and to work and take care of it. But when they chose to rebel against God, what God calls sin, okay, so if you notice in this account, they didn't eat the apple and the apple wasn't sex, right? It was rebellion against God's rule over their life. That's what the Bible calls sin. The world itself is changed, right? Everything is corrupted. Everything becomes affected by their sin and the rebellion. And one of those things is work. So work becomes difficult, right? By the sweat of their brow, you have to, you have to, you have to uh, do your work. And instead of getting fruit, you get thorns and thistles instead. So work becomes a grind. It becomes very difficult. Okay, so you can see here that this is the reality of work today. Um, I think Andrew, our service leader, was saying that you don't need the Bible to tell you that work is difficult. Uh, and I think that's a reality for everyone, right? I mean, if any of you feel that work is very easy, then, uh, well, you're very blessed and it won't last very long, so be thankful. <laughs> okay? So, this is the reality of work in this world. The very nature of work has been affected by sin and rebellion. And that's why... Uh, work is a struggle. And that's why we all want to find out about work today. And that's why people get so down about work. Now, the Bible itself is made out of 66 books, okay? So, the next slide. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, work's very difficult. Okay, so the Bible itself is made out of 66 books. And it's made up of the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, part of the Old Testament contains a series of books called the Wisdom Literature. Okay, so Psalms, which we read from and we sung on, Job, Proverbs, and the wisdom literature really is God teaching his people how to understand the world in which they live in. So if you look, especially in the book of Proverbs, it's very practical, right? It's about doing the right thing at the right time because of the world that we live in. Now, in the book of Ecclesiastes, which is part of the wisdom literature, Ecclesiastes speaks about work, which, and this is what we read in our Bible reading for today. And this is a very deep and profound reflection on work in the real world. So in verse 17 it says, So I hated life. Okay, so the teacher in Ecclesiastes says, I hated life. Because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me, right? It was like, it was like, it was like nice poking me. It was grievous to me. It grieved me. All of it was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. 
So my heart began to despair over my toilsome labor under the sun. For a man may do his work with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, then he must leave all he owns to someone who has not worked for it. This too is meaningless and a great misfortune. What does a man get for all the toil and anxious striving with which he labors under the sun? All his days, his, so all his days, his work is pain and grief. Even at night, his mind does not rest. This too is meaningless. Now, we're going to focus a bit of our time on this passage because it says a lot of very deep and profound things about the nature of work. The first thing it says is that work itself is something which doesn't last. Uh, so one of the common themes in the book of Ecclesiastes is the, the word vanity. Right? It is like a, a metaphor or a liter- you know, it's a picture to give us a message and that metaphor is of vapor or smoke. Right, there's this word in the in the Old Testament, which is havel, right? Which is a word which is repeated 38 times in the book of Ecclesiastes, and it literally means vapor or a puff of smoke. And that's what describes the very nature of work under the sun. It is like havel. Uh, it's like steam in a kettle. It's like smoke from a cigar or whatever. It doesn't last. It's like chasing after the wind. And that's what Ecclesiastes says. He says, you know, he works very hard with all his wisdom, all his knowledge and skill, and then he has to pass it on to someone else. It doesn't last. It feels as if you work and you work, but you never get anything which sustains over time. So I remember reading about uh, Michael Phelps. Uh, Michael Phelps is the most... Uh, successful Olympian uh, ever. I think he's won like 38 gold medals or something, which is a lot, right? I mean, okay, some people don't even get one. And he's won like 38. And he was saying how um, after every Olympics, he he falls into a deep depression. Uh, he struggles with depression. He, he came out, he, you know, it's all over the news, you can Google it, but not now, right? That he fell into this deep depression. But he said that actually every after every Olympics, even after winning gold in every event that he entered in, he fell into a deep depression because after you win gold, what else is there to do? Right? It's like it's over, okay, you won, now what else is there? And that's what Ecclesiastes is actually saying. He's saying like your work, even the very pinnacle of work, it doesn't last. The satisfaction doesn't last. The meaning doesn't last. You've done it. Okay, you've won the big contract. You've done the, 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 the good job. Then tomorrow you move on to something else. And that's why he says here that it is meaningless. And that's the other, um, the other understanding of the word havel. Right? Because it doesn't last, it is pointless. It is meaningless. And that's the very nature of work. The teacher in Ecclesiastes says, work in itself because there is no sustainability. It's meaningless at the very end. And together with this idea of work not lasting, not work not being meaningful, is the idea of how hard very it is, right? So it says here in the book of Ecclesiastes that he's toiling and toiling under the sun, right? So it's hot. And 
Even his heart despairs over the toilsome labor under the sun, and he reflects that he can't even sleep because all the days of your work is pain, grief and pain. Even at night, your mind does not rest. Now, that is the very nature of work that uh, people struggle with today, isn't it? You don't just struggle at work at work, but when you get home after work, your mind is not resting because you're worried about your work. I remember reading a, a cartoon on uh, Charlie Brown uh, a few years ago, and I thought it was very apt and profound because it really captures the idea of Ecclesiastes. So Charlie Brown is building this magnificent castle at the beach, sand castle, right? And then it starts to uh, rain and pour, and then finally, there is no more sand castle, right? And he says to himself, right, there's a lesson to be learned here somewhere, but I don't know what it is, right? But actually, the lesson is very clear, isn't it? That work in itself uh, is meaningless because things don't last, even though you put so much hard work and thinking and application and wisdom into it. Now, given that that's the very nature of work in the world that we see it, right? That's the plain truth about work in this world which is affected by sin and our fallenness and our rebellion against God, our Creator, then it cannot be that work gives us our identity and gives us our meaning. And therein is the problem of our relationship with work. We are putting too much weight in work. So when people think about work, they think, who am I? Right? You know, when you go to a, a dinner or whatever, you ask someone, who are you? Uh, usually it means, uh, what do you do? You know, what job do you do? And when people think about themselves in terms of, uh, what is my value? It usually comes back to, uh, how much do I earn? How productive am I? In society, how valuable the society deem my work. So I remember reading um, uh, this guy Tom Peters and Charles Handy. I've actually read them before. They're, they're, they're actually these uh, uh, quite well-known authors. They were saying that actually for many companies, uh, the whole point of what they're trying to do is to give you meaning in work. Right? It says a huge reserve of energy and commitment could be tapped by a corporation which offers its management a chance to make not just money but meaning for its people. But the problem is that when you come back to Ecclesiastes, when you come back to Genesis chapter 3, you see that actually work cannot provide you meaning or identity or purpose because work in itself doesn't last, it's meaningless and it's full of toil, but at the end of the day, it does not reward you. I think that's the problem about why people find work so stressful, because they're trying to find meaning and purpose in work. But if you look at work from a biblical perspective, it has no meaning. It cannot provide you that meaning. So what then is the answer for us as Christians? Okay, if work in itself is difficult, but meaningless and it doesn't last, then where do we find our meaning? Well, as Christians, as we turn from the Old Testament to the New Testament, we find our meaning in the words of Jesus Christ. And this is what Jesus says in Luke chapter 10, right? Okay, so the next slide. So Jesus said to the 72 uh, disciples, 
They returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, however, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Now here we see that there are 72 uh, disciples that Jesus sent out on a mission trip. Okay, so they were meant to do work for Jesus. They were meant to to tell other people about the good news of Jesus. They were meant to heal in Jesus' name, do great works of uh, the Spirit. They come back and they've done great work. They're patting themselves on the back. It's a great day on the job. Even the demons, they even saw Satan fall down like lightning from heaven. But notice what Jesus says. Jesus says, Jesus says, do not rejoice over what they have done in their work, but rejoice instead that their names are written in heaven. Now, I think this is something that we need to reflect on. Because we come to the New Testament and we recognize that actually it is a big deal for our names to be written in heaven. Because we are saved by God's grace, not by our work. Now, if you actually reflect on uh, what the Bible is saying, if you, if you look at the next slide, oh, okay, don't worry, just go back again. Christianity is, in reality, God working on our behalf. Right, you know, in every other religion, so I think last week I sent you an email out by Tim Keller on the book Exodus. In every other religion, people work for their salvation. Right? They are, they are trying to get from here and work their way to heaven. They are trying to work from our side to work to God's side. Right? So you work very hard in praying. You work very hard in self-discipline. You work very hard in going to holy places. You work very hard on doing various things. Christianity is the only thing where God works and we do nothing but receive God's grace and God's gift. So God sent Jesus to come as a man. Jesus lives in this world. Jesus goes to the cross Jesus dies for our sin, a very terrible death. Jesus rises from the dead to give us eternal life. And this is all the grace of God towards us. This is all God's gift towards us. And that's why when we think of what God has done, we always say God saves us. God forgives us. God redeems us. God brings us from being His enemies to being His children. So we are meant to rejoice not in our own works, as if we can impress God, but we are to rejoice in God's grace towards us. Now, I think this is very important because what it's saying is our focus of meaning identity is not in our work, but in God's work towards us. You understand what we're saying here? It's that our identity is not in what we do, but in what God has done for us. That's what gives us our meaning and our identity. That's what we rejoice in. And that frees us, in a sense, from the stress of our work. Because 
if your meaning and your identity is always tied to your your last job assignment review, your last KPI, your last exam result, then you're you're very stressed all the time, right? Because uh, your meaning, your identity keeps fluctuating up and down. But if your meaning and identity is tied to what God has done for you once and for all in Jesus Christ and giving Jesus for you, then you don't feel the stress from how badly you did in your last assignment or your last job, right? Because uh, it doesn't depend on that anymore. It depends on what God has done for you. So Ecclesiastes and Genesis tell us that we live in a fallen world and work itself is meaningless and it's difficult and toilsome. And therefore, instead of giving focus on our work and trying to find meaning there, we need to find meaning in what God has done for us in Jesus and God's grace. And therefore, there's a test for us, right? If you never get promoted again for the rest of your life, uh, if you never get a pay raise for the rest of your life, if you never have another good job review for the rest of your life, can you still rejoice? Can you still rejoice? Well, Jesus is saying you can, isn't it? Because you rejoice that your name is written in heaven. If you understand just how much God's grace has been given to you and what it costs for Jesus to die for you, then you can rejoice. It is more important than your last you know, job promotion or your last uh, pay rise. Now, part of the problem for us, I think, it's not just that work takes the, the, the place of giving us meaning identity from God, but it also becomes like an idol. So work can become like an idol for us. So I was talking to someone recently, and I began to realize that what gives us uh, satisfaction in work, okay, I won't use another word, what gives us satisfaction in work, doesn't come so much from our work in itself, but being better than other people at our work. Right? Isn't that true? It's like, you know, we're always comparing ourselves to other people. So it's not good enough that I have this particular job, but I want to be better than other people in that job than other people. Uh, you know, we all want to have a faster career promotion than other people. We want to earn more than other people. We want to get more year and bonus than other people. We want to be better than other people. So I remember how uh, I was reading some article somewhere about how 40% of people feel that they belong in the top 10 performers in their company. Now, there's something wrong with that mess there, right? Because 40% cannot fit into the 10% best performance in their company. But, but that's, the, that's what we all want to strive for, right? Isn't it? We all want to strive to be that top 10% better than the, you know, the 90% losers, right? Because we want to be the top 10%. But by doing so, work in, and, and, and career in itself becomes like an idol. We do anything to serve the goal of being that 10%, better than other people. But that's not what the Bible views uh, work. So in Ephesians chapter 4, in 1 Thessalonians 4, uh, it says, He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. And 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it says, Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business and to work with your own, sorry, to work with your hands, just as we told you, 
so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. So how does the Bible and the New Testament define work? It says work is not about you know, being the top 10% and better than other people. It doesn't say that uh, it should be something where we feel that we are getting faster career uh, advancement. It's fundamentally about earning money uh, to feed yourself, to feed your family, put a roof over your head, and to uh, be generous if you are able to. Right? That's what it says there, to share with those in need. Now this is very important here because when work becomes the little g God, we, we start doing everything in order to serve that purpose of getting ahead of other people. And it becomes even more important than our names written in heaven. Because in a sense, that becomes your God, then the real God and being in heaven becomes less important. So, Matthew chapter 6, and the next slide, the Matthew 6, yeah. Uh, Jesus tells his disciples, he says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air, they do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Okay. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the leaves of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yeah, I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall I eat, or what shall I drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, but your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Now you notice here that the priority is not just about things, right? acquiring things. But the most important thing which it says at the last verse is seek God's kingdom and his righteousness first. Now, the reality is that when Korea is a little g God, then you contradict what Jesus says here. You don't seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. You seek career advancement first, to the detriment of God's kingdom and your service and love for God. So I remember many years ago, I was talking uh, to this pastor, and um, he's talking about how people come to him to pray, ask him to pray for when they migrate overseas. And uh, he said, you know, often they will pray for job or career or housing and things like that. And he noticed that many times they never put into their consideration anything about church. And so he would then speak to the person and say, you know, uh, let us ask for God's will in this, you know, what's God's will in this matter? Because if your priorities when you migrate are job and house, and then, you know, somewhere way down number 10 is, oh, where do I find a good church to go to? Then 
really, you're saying that the most important thing in your life, the little G God, is your job and career, and maybe your house after that. But you're not seeking God's kingdom and His righteousness first. And that happens to us, isn't it? At the end of the day, uh, what is our God? What is our priority in life? I think the next slide, right? Is work your priority and your God, or is seeking God's kingdom and His righteousness. We can see this in our decisions on an everyday basis, right? Where I remember a friend of mine who came back from Australia, who was a Bible study leader. Okay, so this is not a, a young, immature Christian. This is a Bible study leader at university with me. He came back and he had a very good job in a multinational in Singapore. And he started missing, uh, started missing Bible studies because, you know, he had to stay very late. Then he took on extra duties. Then he started doing extra studies. And after this, he soon started missing uh, church on a Sunday. And I remember chatting to him one day and I said, you know, I don't think you're making good decisions because when, by doing this, uh, you, you know, you, you are, you're not putting God first and you're actually putting your job first and you're going to fall away. And sure enough, over time, uh, he's no longer a Christian today. So who is he? He's a great employee, right? And what is he worth? He earns lots of money. But ultimately, it's because his God is actually his job and his career. But that's foolish, right? Because actually, who was he before? He was a child saved by God's grace. And what was he worth? He was worth the life of Jesus Christ. And his God was the Savior God of grace. So the problem for us is... What is really our God? Is it our job and our career? Is that what gives us our meaning, our identity? Or is it our salvation in Jesus Christ? The fact that our names are written in heaven. The last point I want to touch on is this idea of God establishing for us a rhythm of work and rest in our life. So in the book of Exodus, where God's people were brought into the Egypt into the promised land, from Egypt into the promised land, uh, God gave them a set of rules to follow. So you all know the Ten Commandments. And one of the Ten Commandments, apart from the popular ones of do not murder, do not steal, do not commit adultery, and do not lie, is to remember the Sabbath. Right. So it's very important to remember the Sabbath according to God as He spoke to the people. So He says, remember the Sabbath... Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant, nor maidservant, nor any animals, nor your animals, sorry, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the, seventh, the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, obviously for us as Christians today, we no longer follow the Ten Commandments in that way. We follow them based on what Jesus tells us. But the Bible does tell us from Jesus' words that the Sabbath is still something that is helpful for us. So Jesus said the Sabbath was made... uh, Next slide. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So there's still value in us keeping the Sabbath, but not in that strict way. But I do feel that 
the Sabbath rule actually reflects uh, God, our Maker, knowing us as our creature, knowing that we are not meant to work ceaselessly and continuously like robots. The problem is that when we find our meaning in work, and we find our identity in work, and and uh, our work is our little God, we sacrifice our rest and our Sabbath and our fellowship on Sabbath day in order to serve our little G God. So we take a few hours off our sleep, we cut a few days off our Sabbath rest, we sacrifice the time in fellowship and friendship with one another, and we neglect our own personal refreshment. Why, why do we do that for? Because we want to push our career one or two steps further than other people. So what is really important to you? What is really important to you is getting that one or two steps further than other people, right? Being that top one, 10%. And what that will actually mean for some of us is that we, we actually lose our health. It uh, affects our emotional health, our mental health. It affects our spiritual health. So, um, not, not picking on anybody here. Um, there are, I, remember, I know that there's some people who like have their kids uh, do extra tuition on Sunday. And uh, what that means sometimes is that they, it means they can't come to church on a Sunday. Now, what the message is that actually sending to your kids? Uh, it's actually basically saying that it's more important to do the tuition so that you can be number one in your class rather than to to actually rest and to look after yourself and your health, but also more importantly than to be saved in Christ, isn't it? But that's not just something that um, is a reflection of, of parents, but, but it extends to all of us because when we start neglecting keeping our Sabbath, uh, coming to church, resting, having fellowship with one another, uh, it actually means that there are some of us who, I'm sure some of you know of, who have been burnt out, and much worse than that, actually lose their faith uh, in Jesus Christ as a result. So I remember reading this book by Christopher Ashe um, called Zeal Without Burnout, and he made a very good point in there, which I thought was a very apt statement. He said, one thing we need to remember is that we are creatures of dust. Okay, we are creatures of dust. And because we are creatures of dust, even though we become Christians, we still need sleep, we still need Sabbaths, we still need food, we still need friends. That's the way that God has made us. We are made of dust, right? That's what it says in Genesis. Now, in order for us to, to, to live well as Christians before God, we need to remember we are people of dust. Uh, that work in itself is corrupted and fallen because of sin. So I remember talking to a, someone, actually a few people over the years, where they tell me that they find it very hard to rest. It's, it's a struggle to rest. Uh, I guess Ecclesiastes says the same, right? You know, Even at night, they can't rest. And one of the reasons why they can't rest is because they are perfectionists. So, they want to be perfect in their work. Now, this is very stressful because 
we can't be perfect in our work because Ecclesiastes tells us that we live in a world where work itself is broken. You can't do perfect work. And because we ourselves are people of dust, we can't work so hard to make everything perfect. Now, when you have a perfectionist attitude and you want to do everything perfectly, then that's where it leads to people being very depressed and some of these people actually contemplate committing suicide. What an unbearable thing, right? You, you are trying to, to make something perfect, which God himself in his word says you cannot make perfect and you yourself are unable to make perfect because you are a human being. You are fallen and you are a children, your child of dust. So how can you be a perfectionist? It is impossible in the world that we live in. You cannot do perfect work. You will make mistakes. It is part of the very nature of work. It's the very nature of yourself. So in conclusion, um, the next slide. I think that what we've learned is fundamentally we need to understand the place of work in the world that God has made it. Because of the fall work in itself, is fallen, it is difficult, it is meaningless to a certain degree. So therefore, identity cannot be found in work, it has to be found in Christ and God's grace. And in our actions and priorities, we need to seek God and His kingdom and His righteousness more than work. Because the things that we rejoice in are our names written in heaven, not in our work. And because we are creatures of dust, we need to respect who we are as God has made us, we need to rest and we need to actually take into account that even though we are Christians, we are still human. So, I spoke to a person many, many years ago and um, they were struggling at work. It was affecting their physical health, their emotional health, their mental health and more importantly, their, their spiritual health. And um, this person was thinking uh, about quitting their job, but they really struggled with quitting their job. And I asked this person, you know, like, why, why was it so hard for this person to quit their job? And they said, because it was their dream job. Now, there's a paradox there. Right? How can it be your dream job if it's affecting your physical health, your emotional health, and your emotional health? It can't be a dream job. It sounds like a nightmare job, right? <laughs> But it was a dream job because, in a sense, it gave them identity and meaning. Right? Who am I? I am part of a very big and successful organization. I'm a high performer in this big and successful organization. Uh, it gives me worth, right? I get paid well for what I'm doing. I get respect from other people. But what God tells us is actually, who I am is someone who has been saved because of God's grace and Jesus died for me. And what I'm worth is the life of Jesus, who is God who died for me. And what I'm looking for is to rejoice in heaven. So I remember listening uh, to this Australian pastor. I can't remember his name, just a few weeks ago, on the, this podcast called The Pastor's Heart. And it was quite interesting. They asked him why so many Asian Australians were becoming Christians. And he said the most interesting thing. He said because uh, for his own experience, it's because Christianity gave him freedom. And he said, what do you mean freedom? He said, well, when I became a Christian, 
It gave me freedom from my parents' expectation of my career. It gave me freedom from my own expectation of status. It gave me freedom from my own expectation of achievement. It gave me freedom from my expectation of perfection. And I think that actually hits the nail on the head, doesn't it? Because if you really believe that God, out of His grace, sent His Son to die for you, well, that is where you are to find your meaning and identity, and that is who you are meant to really worship. Uh, not your, your job or your career or being better than everybody else. So in a sense, it does give us freedom uh, from all the things that cause us the stress from work and career. And I hope that as we reflect on this passage, it gives us a better understanding of where work is in the Christian life and where we should actually find our meaning and our identity. Okay, let's go to God in prayer. So dear Father, as we come before you today, uh, we really ask that you may help us to examine our own hearts uh, to see that it is unproductive, it is unreal for us to give meaning and identity to our career and our work because it is bound to just cause us to be very stressed, to be very disillusioned, uh, to be very, uh, in the end, uh, let down. Because work in itself, in this world that we live in, this fallen world, uh, is meaningless. It cannot last, it cannot sustain, it is full of toil, it is full of um, anxiety. Uh, dear Father, we pray for ourselves that we recognize first and foremost uh, that work is something which cannot give us that meaning in life. That, dear Father, meaning in life must come from the certain knowledge that you sent your son Jesus to die for us on the cross. That you did so out of grace and that we were undeserving. Uh, dear Father, we pray for ourselves that as we reflect more on the truly uh, unmeasurable gift that you've given us, that we would see that the words of Jesus ring true for us. That we rejoice not on the work that we do, the successful work that we can do, but we rejoice that our names are written in heaven. That we rejoice in your grace. That we find our identity and meaning in what you have done for us in your work and not in our work. And so as Christians, we will always put work in its right place and not cause it uh, for it to be a, an idol for us and something which weighs us down. And we pray for all these things in Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at bcpc.sg.